hey, howdy, hey. Welcome to the Texans Take. Oh, a boy. Yes, indeed. So I'm kind of excited for next week. Uh-huh, me or, too. Or the end of this week. The end of this the week. The next yes, podcast. Yes, 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 yes. That's really where I was going. My, my mind just like fluttered away for half a second. Yes, yes, yes. Because Why have... are you so excited, yeah, Rig? Bill Hill returning to us. Yes! He's back! We love to have Bill on this show, and... Fortunately for us, fortunately we for us, a trip to go see I think out. that he likes to be on our show. He too. does. He does. Because I was like, I randomly texted him, and I, I think I texted him. So I do always text him at what I consider to be opportune moments, and I don't generally think if that's an opportune moment for him. Mm-hmm. That's Except this week when I decided to wait until after he got done with his vacation to um, actually text him because I thought, well, that would be awful rude. Yeah. But anyway. So I, I texted him, and, and as I'm doing this, I'm realizing, oh, he's probably in the middle of a service right now. Bad time to text it was him. Like a, it was like a – I just assumed he had like a Wednesday service because he does those. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is probably not ideal. Five minutes, yes. Just let me know when and uh, what we're talking about. Oh, sweet. So you don't even know if he was in the middle of a service or not. Yeah, so it was just like <laughs> a quick – two-minute response, and then a couple days after that, he said, uh, so so what are we doing? What's What time is it? And I said, I'll send you an outline, you know. This was right before he went on his... His vacation. His vacation, uh, yeah. And so um, I, I gave him a, a little bit of, like, I'll send you an outline, go enjoy yourself, and then when he got back, I was like, okay, so this is, this is what we're doing. Which... I'm actually glad that I thought about it when I did because I'd forgot that I didn't send him because I usually do it when they mm-hmm. ask what time. Right. I'm already have it planned and I just send it to them when they're ready. Yeah. And I had forgot up until yesterday. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know what I was supposed to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like the important thing to do. But well, here's hoping he didn't spend uh, his whole vacation uh, wondering this pod- this podcast. <laughs> well, you know, I mean. Uh, That'll make there, the podcast all the better. There is one thing to say about Bill is he loves the Lord. And yes. and to the point where most people would not comprehend or understand why he does what he does. There um, could arguably say that poor Gwen sometimes doesn't know why he does it. <laughs> uh, and she's a sweetheart. Yeah. Gwen is an absolute oh, sweetheart. she's absolutely wonderful. Um, but... Yeah, Bill is he's he's an interesting he's an interesting cat. He did find some um, some pretty good whiskey apparently. Why a there. good thing to find on a vacation? He probably won't get to find it here because he was telling me it was quite amazing. Um, and he does have very up there tastes. Mm-hmm. So when he does say something's good, you can you can bank on it being worthwhile. Worthwhile, yeah. uh, which is notable. But that aside. So rumors, yeah, I've heard, and uh, you know the movers and shakers that we like to see in the conservative world. Yes, you know, um, there's a lot going on. Uh huh. And there's yeah, a lot of them a... that a three things are happening. You have a bunch of mover and shakers that are like, I want to do something. You have a bunch of mover and shakers that are like, What do we do? Mm-hmm. And then you have a group that's going. I'm just going to do it. You know, hope for the best. And one of those guys that, I'm not going to lie, he kind of snuck up on me as far as who he was, even though I should have known. But Governor DeSantis. Oh, my gosh. He stays in the news more than Trump did. Of Florida. Yeah, of Florida. (laughs) And, 
and what what was interesting to me is uh, he he fell on my radar about four months ago. I had a, I had a customer, and you know, in in a sales office, everyone is always curious of what you the do's and don'ts of what conversation you can and cannot have, you know. And that's understandable. Like, do I talk about God? Do I talk about like what? What do we talk about? You know. Yeah. Generally, I steer clear of, of politics, just as a rule of thumb. Unless you bring it up, you know, and then we can have a good little short chat, very vague, and then I can leave the chat. <laughs> yeah. I, I generally don't worry that way when it comes to God, because I'm like, if I'm talking about God to somebody, God's got this. Mm-hmm. This is this is a very significant role that He plays in the conversation. So. That doesn't bother me like right. it would some people, right? Uh, but I had this this little old lady. Oh, well, I say little old lady. She she was she was little, but she probably wasn't that old comparatively. I mean, late sixties, yeah, okay, early seventies. So older than me, right, right, right. <laughs> you know. And she was so sweet, and uh, she just kind of was talking to me in a very vague sense, and it was very. It was the conversation was like, you know, those people, and you know, those people could be taken either way. Yes, you know it could, could be t- you know those people, those bad Republicans, or you know, you know what I mean. Like that could e- that could easily be taken, and so I'm like, yes, ma'am, you know it, you know, <laughs> like, not, not going sure what you're there, about, you know, and would agree. And she's like, you know, I, I don't know where you stand, but Trump's really for us, and I'm going, <laughs> oh. Women, you're in the right office, <laughs> you know, and and so we got into a little a little conversation about that, and she was talking about uh, the area in which she lived, which was rural Florida, because we were talking about uh, she literally was the first true conservative that I had met coming out of Florida to North Carolina in my business. Yeah, <clears throat> I always meet the the more liberal swinging people, uh, but so it was it was a pleasant to know that she lived in Florida and had that that thought. But um, which we have come to find is is not is uncommon. A lot of Florida, and it's rural Florida. Yeah. So yeah. you have people or areas like Naples, Palm Beach, Daytona. Those areas are populated with, you know, swarms of liberals. Miami's the same way. Yeah. Orlando. But if you're not in those mainstream areas, you are filled with you know conservative populations. Of yeah. People. They caught the redneck Riviera. Yeah, I mean it. It is, Riviera. and it has been. But she was talking to me about Governor DeSantis. Mm-hmm. And the more she talked about it, I was like, who is this guy? He's like a miniature Trump. I want to yeah. know this guy. You know, so I did a little digging, and he popped up in the news. It was like every time I turned around from that point on. Boom, you saw DeSantis, boom, boom, yeah. Boom, He's popping up, moving, shaking. You know, and, and uh, about a week ago, I had one of my, one of my managers was talking to me. He's, he's also a... He's a listener of the podcast now. Yes, so, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so um I will I will leave him unnamed, but he Shout out to the unnamed. Yeah, shout out to the unnamed just because I you know You know who you are. You know who you are, yeah. Um but he would he had actually made a point that I had thought of secretly, haven't really had a conversation with anybody, but a DeSantis White House run coming soon. Yeah. I, I hadn't really thought about it, but I think, you know, that might be something. Because, let's speak honestly, there ain't a lot of them out there right now that no. are jumping on that platform. No. And see, no. it's been that way for the same time, you know, most of 
the Republicans running against against Trump and conservatives knew they weren't going to win, I yeah. think, for the yeah. majority. So it's almost like, if I'm not going to win, I'm not going to play. Yeah. And so that's what you saw for the grand majority of campaigning mm-hmm. for this last run. Well, now it's like, now we need those movers and shakers willing to campaign, willing to run, willing to, you know, save this country yeah. again. Yeah. And DeSantis, you know, what little I do know about him, because I'm not a, you know, a geek when it comes to him, but he's really doing the right things, opening up Florida, trying to get things set back up. I I, I cannot say how wonderful it was. So wonderful to go vacation in Florida back. This is months ago. This is months ago. This oh, was he like opened up months ago. He said enough. Is last, a long this time is ago. last summer. This was uh, what was it? August. August. Yeah, it was or the September. end of last summer. Yeah, I think at the end of August. So this is months ago. This is back when, like, because you were the COVID there when hype. I was in Texas or right yeah, there around yeah. that same when time. When all the COVID hype was in full swing, right? And uh, <coughs> and we went down to uh, Santa Rosa, Florida, uh, to uh, on a vacation. And son, I felt at home. You know, if the homes there weren't so expensive, <laughs> I know. You know. Uh, you know, I was just like, man, I could live here. This would be nice. Uh, it was just so welcoming. It was wonderful. The people were great. Um, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't hounded about masks wherever I went. Uh, it was, you know, it was a breath of fresh air. And see. You know, and I didn't even know anything about DeSantis then. Right. You know, DeSantis was moving and shaking before, you know, Moving and shaking was known for COVID kind of yeah. thing. You know, you were, what, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, you, you see people like DeSantis, and DeSantis did it the right way, yeah. right? Yeah. When people like, uh, you know, Greg Abbott come out and go, oh, we're going to open up March 10th. Yeah, everybody's free to do what they want. That's a political run. He uh-huh. knows he's up for re-election. Yeah. Now he's trying to do what people think is best so he can get re-elected. DeSantis had a very... I don't care what you think. Right, yeah. This is the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, you'll either thank me or hate me, but neither one of these things is going to change that. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, the owner of the company I work for, he's in a political position. And I was talking to him today, and I told him that I met somebody. He holds a very unfavorable view, a DeSantis view uh-huh. of all of this. And it has not won him a lot of favor. Yeah, and, 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 it, and, and so I was talking to him about one of my customers that really was praising him for what, all the good he's doing. And he's like, man, I hope she remembers me when it comes election time because I'm not going to get a whole lot of favor from anybody. Yeah. But I don't care. I've done what's yeah. right. you got to do what's right. And see, that's the thing that the and Republican I was like, wow, Party he, has been lacking. Saying in that's the thing the Republican Party has been lacking mm-hmm. is you've got a lot of Republicans that honestly think the right way, but they're morally weak. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily they're not necessarily morally weak. That was the wrong wrong choice of words, but they're not they're not strong enough to push away all the negative feedback that they know they're going to get. And then you have jumpers on it like uh, Madison Cawthorn. Oh yeah, yeah, God. yeah. Which, by the way. My the owner of my company taught him in Bible school, Sunday school, really? for years. Yeah, man, I felt honored to just meet the guy at a gun show. That was so cool. Yeah, Cawthorns. I've met him in passing a couple times. And any- so this was uh, 
at the last gun show we went to in uh, Asheville at the uh, the Ag Center there uh, right beside the airport. This was a couple months back. It, incredibly cold. So cold. Freezing cold. Biggest line I've ever seen. Mind you, this gun show was also like incredibly short notice. Like they had maybe a week or two, if that. Oh, wow. For a gun show? For a gun show. And I might be exaggerating it, but no. They they had less time than usual to plan this thing. But they kind of had the gun show just because there was a lot of anti-gun sentiment, uh, sentiment and uh, anti-Trump sentiment. And uh, I think election stuff had just gone down or was just before that and all. And so everybody and their little dog was ready and primed to go buy some more, you know, ammunition and guns. And so this gun show opened up and there was a line, not just out the door, that's putting it lightly. There was a, there was a line out the drop, you know, the parking lot. Biggest line I've ever seen. And this is so short notice. I mean, honestly, it was good planning on their part, mm -hmm. you know, because everybody was just like, you know, hey, this is what I want. Which and, is, it's funny. But anyway, so... We were just walking around there, and I was there with my uncle. Was it a big goes, show? Was it? Yeah, it was big. Yeah, awesome. it was a big gun show. I mean, I think it was big just because of the political stuff going on. Right. Um, it is good for gun sales. It really is. Well, that's what I was going to say. I have a friend of mine who, once upon a time during the Obama years, uh, that's what he did. Yeah. You know, almost quit everything else because of that. And he, yeah. he opened up a store, and it was great yeah. and everything. And then when, uh, you know conservatives you know when trump came in he was like he, he shut it down he was like nobody's worried nobody's yeah, buying guns yeah, yeah he's like i'm having to do other stuff now yeah, yeah. and i haven't talked to him to see if he's picked any of that back sure up he's but, doing well <laughs> yeah. but anyway so we were at this gun show and uh uh my uncle was there and he was just like you know he saw this guy wheeling around in a wheelchair and he goes i i think that's madison cawthorn and we were all just kind of like, I say, what? He's like, Madison Cawthorn just passed me in his wheelchair. I think I'm going to go say hi. <laughs> and so we all go and say hi Mark? to him. Huh? Mark? Uh, no, this is Uncle Neil. Oh, okay. Uh, so we, we all go, uh, uh, you know, to say hi. And, you know, I'm sure that everybody in the little dog was doing that too. We didn't want to, you know, like rain on his, his you know, enjoying the gun show. Uh, but we did want to let him know that, you know, you hey, appreciate it. We appreciate you and thank you for everything that you do. And so anyway, uh, Uncle Neil was chatting with him a little bit. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, there was just some elections going on, you know. Uh, and there was uh, lots of big stuff going on in at least North Carolina politics. And Uncle Neil was like, you know, hey, Madison, I'm kind of surprised you're here. I mean, figured you'd be, you know, up in Raleigh or Washington or one of the two. And he was like, yeah, there was a little bit of a break there. And I figured I I needed to leave that and come see some real people before I go back up there, you know? <laughs> right. You know? Uh, and so we're like, yeah, I like that. So anyway, that was cool. Uh, shout out to Madison Cawthorn. We love you. Right? We do. Uh, we do. Keep fighting. Keep fighting a good fight. You've got our support. Anyway, uh, so... Yeah, Florida. Yeah, but DeSantis. But uh, these customers that came in that were praising, you know, my owner. And he's th their big thing was, uh, 
we were on the test drive and it was such an afterthought you know we're on a test drive we're all talking and i swear it was like the husband sitting over here and it was he's the one driving mind you it's raining so when yeah. people make sudden jerks and thoughts when it's raining i'm like Aww. grab something uh full faith that he was going to do all right but let's go ahead and grab something <laughs> and he goes oh do i need to put on a mask i didn't even bring a mask do we need to go back and i'm like dude we're, no, no no don't even worry about it he goes oh thank god you don't wear masks I was like, uh not if i don't have to he goes oh my kind of guy fist bump you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then nice. we're driving along and we, we get into go into the dealership and he's like oh do i need my mask i'm like not unless you want to he goes oh, no i don't want to and so we get into the office and you know, it was it was a late night thing, and and he, we started talking about masks and everything. But I had just seen a video of, and I am not a huge fan of uh -huh. Ted Cruz, uh, in in many senses. But he does do some things occasionally that like makes me go, "Oh, you're all right." Yeah. For yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the way you have to think about politicians. Yeah. You're all right for now. Yeah. You know, and as long you, as they understand that, stay that way. Yeah, and 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 politicians need to understand that yeah. you're okay for now. But I'm going to play this little clip here, just what I saw of him interacting with the reporter, and you can't really hear the reporter, so I'll give you a little a little backdrop. The reporter says uh, as he comes up to the podium, "Hey, would you put on a mask for all of us here?" So I think the reporter is getting ready to Good speak. afternoon. Uh, yeah, when I'm talking to the TV camera, I'm not going to wear a mask. And all of us have been immunized. So uh, you're welcome to step away if you like. The whole, the whole point of a vaccine, CDC guidance is what we're following. <laughs> Thank you. And that right there, you know, as much as I am not the biggest proponent of vaccines, his argument was so right. Yes. At this moment in time, no, I'm good. And you can just back away right, if you right, feel right. safer. You know, if you feel, yeah. So right there, we're going to go ahead and take an obscene profit break and we'll be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> All right, we are back. All righty, so we are in the book of First Samuel, uh, chapter 20. So a little recap on the last chapter. <laughs> Had some fun with that. Let's see. So uh, I'm going to start on uh, verse 18, just to recap a little bit, because honestly, God has a sense of humor. He really does. That's where we get ours, I believe. Right. Um, and um, I'll just read along. I'll just read, and you you follow, and you can hear the sense of humor, I am sure. Uh, 18, this is uh, 19, uh, 1 Samuel 19, verse 18. So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Saul went and stayed in Naoth. Now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying, and Saul standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. So 
Saul sent them to go grab David and get him and so I can kill him. Uh, and they went and started prophesying. And Saul, uh, and when Saul was told, he sent another messengers, uh, other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. And so he's like, my first messengers are obviously not back yet. What? They're, they're what now? Prophesying? Send some more messengers. Go get those messengers and David. So this is this is what I see happening in like a, a different sense. If we're going to use different logic, uh huh. You're sitting at your your lazy boy, and you tell one of the kids to go get you a cookie from the cookie jar. Yeah. <laughs> and they go and don't return. You're like, hey, hey. go check on your brother. Right. They go. They go, and they don't come back, and you're like, all right, fine, I'm getting up. And then they're all eating the cookies, so you just stand there and eat the cookies, too. Exactly. <laughs> so then Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. So, <clears throat> Saul. Uh, Saul. Brig, you're going to be Saul today. Saul. You sent three groups of messengers, and they all were prophesying. Now, I know that you want David real bad, okay? But if you go to Ramoth, what do you think is going to happen to you? But I'm Saul. Exactly. <laughs> and so your response is? <laughs> nothing. I won't be nothing. I'm not going to be prophesying. I'm going to go get David. Nothing bad's going to happen at all. I'm going to rib him back by his that's ear right, here. That's right. And, and then I'm going to make all those messengers that I sent. They'll pay also. Yeah, right. Nice try, Saul. Good thinking. God hey, has a wonderful hey, sense of humor. Yeah. You know, if if somebody falls off a cliff and they die, somebody else goes to grab them, falls off the cliff and die. Somebody else, you know, goes to grab them, falls off the cliff and they die. And you sit there and think, man, if I do what all those other people did and jump off the cliff to go grab them, I'm not going to die. Isn't it insanity that, uh, you know, that's not right thinking is what it is. Well, that's what, uh, you know, Einstein said the definition of insanity right. is doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting different results different results you know and on top of that anyway continuing <laughs> then he being saul also went to ramah and came to the great well that is at setu and he asked and said where are samuel and david and someone said indeed they're at naoth and ramah so he, being Saul, went there to Naoth in Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also, and he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah. <laughs> uh, Join the club. Um, and he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner, and lay down naked all that day and all that night before they say, uh, therefore they say, Is Saul also among the prophets? Uh, there you go. Hey, there's actually a little footnote here at the end of that. A for twenty. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, that's tw nineteen twenty-four. Compare First Samuel ten twelve. Just wondering what that footnote is. I'm looking at ten twelve now. Tenny ten twelve e twelve. There is ten, and here is twelve. 12, 12, 10, 12. Then a man uh, from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? Oh, interesting. What, what's the context here? Saul anointed king. Ah, this is before David comes into the picture. This is back when Saul was anointed king. 
Let's see. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him, being Saul, another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly, formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? The man, uh, then a man uh, from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? Interesting. So it became a proverb. It became a saying. So I'm wondering if they're mocking him. I, it almost sounds that way. Yeah. They're mocking him because it became a saying. That changes this whole image here. It does. It makes it all the more funnier. It does. It's like, ha, ha, ha. Is Saul also among the prophets? There he is again. Anyway, so that's not where we are today. Now we're in chapter 20. Uh, the caption here is Jonathan's And let's go ahead and break David. right here and say a prayer before we get started. Sure. Even though we've already gotten started. That's right. That's right. It is uh, never too late. Now, do you All right. go ahead and pray for us? Yeah, let's do that. So let's go ahead and pray. Great Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you uh, that we can sit here this day in front of this microphone uh, with a little to drink and enjoy each other's company, but more importantly than that, enjoy your company. Uh, great God, I pray that you would bless all of our listeners here this day. Um, I pray that we would be a special blessing for them. Uh, and I pray that uh, you would be with us as we look through the life of David, uh, your servant, David. Um, and I pray, Lord, that we would learn from David's mistakes, uh, but also learn to emulate David as he emulated Christ, uh, which is to say, I pray that we would emulate Christ. Um, uh, and so, Lord, I pray that you would be with us this day uh, and uh, bless us as we further and deeper investigate your word. It is in Christ's holy and precious name that we come before you and pray. Amen. Man. All righty. So, First Samuel chapter twenty. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, <laughs> "Ladies and gentlemen, we come to you with the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible, New King James Version." And Jonathan said, "What? Just kidding. That's not what happened." Um. Then David fled from Naoth and Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity and what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? Poor David. He's just like, dude, there's not a single thing that I've ever done to your dad to make him hate me. I have not done anything. You know, why is he trying to kill me? Always. So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do neither will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? Is it not so? Uh, it is not so. 
Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. And so he's basically just, you know, he's kind of telling Jonathan, look, I know that you have talked to your dad and have said great things uh, about me and for me and earlier convinced him to spare me, but he don't, he don't like me. And uh, he's got it in for me, and um, I've always been pretty close to death around him. Uh, and Jonathan's just like, you know, man, no, he's not going to do anything to you. And if he did, he'd tell me about it. And David's just like, look, I love you, man, but I just don't think that's the case. <laughs> I'm not feeling you know? it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not feeling it, man. Uh, so anyway, let's see. Um so Jonathan said to David, whatever you, uh, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And David said to Jonathan, indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say... David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he thus, if he says thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. And so basically he's saying, you know, he's ha, literally playing devil's advocate. Oh, yes. Uh, which is... Not always an easy thing to do mm -mm. when, you know, the guy that you're talking about is your best friend's dad, you know. It's like, okay, dude, your dad has tried to kill me several times now. I know you talked with him. I know that you think that he should tell you about whatever, but I just don't see that's the case. But let's give it the benefit of the doubt. Work with me, and um, I'll, you know... I'll show you what I think is going on, and you can make your own decisions from there. And so he's saying, you know, um, at the New Moon Feast, uh, I should probably be there to eat with him, right? Mm-hmm. And he knows that. Uh, but you tell him that I am going to Bethlehem to eat with my family. You know, we're going to have a little family picnic. You know, we always do that. Um, but... Uh, I'm going to go sacrifice with my family in Bethlehem. And if he says, that sounds good, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. You know, ah, no, I actually, that's, that's bad. Why did he go over there? He should be here with me right now, you know, so I can kill him. You know, otherwise there'd be no, you know, he would, he shouldn't have anything against David going to sacrifice with his family, right? Let's see. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant. For you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Yeah, he, he's saying, you know, 
this is my proposition. I really want you to see what I think I see in your dad. Right. You know. Um, and this is, this is again, this is David using wisdom again. You know, honestly, in a situation like this, it's really easy to say, I can't believe that you don't see what I'm seeing. Your dad is evil, dude. You know. Uh, he's putting him in a first-hand experience. Yeah, he's... It's he's, just like, look, I know it's this way, and I feel like it's this way, but I want you... Like, we're friends. Right. I want you to know that what I'm telling you is what we would say, gospel. Right. This is the way right. it is. You go do this, and we'll see. Right. Um... And so he's doing it in a really, really... Like we say in Texas, laying the land. Right, he is, right. He's setting it up to be completely transparent exactly. in whatever's going to happen. Yeah. He's laying the land. He's finding out if it's worthy. Yep. Um, and so through all this, he says, you know, therefore you shall deal kindly with your servant, speaking about himself. You know, he's saying, you know, hey, I don't want any bad blood or ill will between you and me. Okay, uh, this is what I see in your dad. I think that you'll see it too, you know, but we'll see. Time and will so tell. Do it this way. Um, we'll know. I'm going to go spend time with my family. And, um, you know, that way, you know, we'll be, our relationship will be fine. You know, I'm going to do this the right way. Uh, because you you have been, uh, you know, you have brought your servant, you have brought me into a covenant of the Lord with you. You know, it's like, you know. And you got to think, as it said previously, you know, these two guys were closer than brothers. Right. Obviously and that's something David's brothers. I know, but I mean, that, that's something that needs to continue to be reiterated here because it is that important. Yes. So anyways, I, I think if we do it this way, you know, you'll see it my way. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But this is the right way to do it. That way our relationship is not marred. He goes further and says, nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said... Far be it from you, for if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, "So Jonathan is trying so hard not to believe what he right, 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 right. Um, like, well, in all fairness, Jonathan, you weren't there when he's tried to spear me four times now. Yeah, and David basically said, "Look, if your dad's clean, there's nothing wrong with him, and if you're telling the truth." Then you kill me, because that's that's how strongly I feel about this. You know, um, so if there is if there is iniquity in, iniquity in me, if if I am in the wrong here, uh, then go ahead and kill me yourself. Why should you bring me to your father? You know. Uh, let's see. Then David said to Jonathan, "It's like a nobility approach." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then David said to Jonathan, "Who will tell me?" Uh, or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field. Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord God of Israel is witness. 
when I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow, or the third day, and indeed there is good towards David, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so, and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety. And the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord, which I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And so he's basically saying, you know, hey, you know, if there's goodwill between my father and you, I'll let you know. If there's bad will between my father and you, you know, obviously, you know, I'm his son, but I've, you know, made a covenant with you. I'm your friend. And my prayer is that you will always deal kindly with me and my family because we love you. Right. You know, um, and, uh, and I'll tell you to go away and go in safety, but deal kindly with me for two reasons. A, we've made a covenant. I love you. You're my brother closer than that. And B, you're going to be the next King. No. B, <laughs> your enemies don't fare very well. Well, that is true. <laughs> and I don't ever want but to be your should, enemy. We should also take back a step. Every enemy David has encountered is also an enemy of God. Exactly. But they're an enemy of God because they're non-believers. They yeah. are. It, it goes a step further than non-believers. They're dancers in non-belief. Yeah. You know, the same as the, the prophets of Baal. Yeah. You know, they go a step further than non-belief, but you don't exist. Which is why I say most atheists are really anti-theists. The yeah. word atheist is is kind of a, an oxymoron. It is an oxymoron. Because atheist really is a, you know, don't believe. Whereas, I, I love the agnostic. You know, agnostic is, you know, the people that question it, but don't, don't necessarily not believe. But what you find in most cases, and I know I'm going on a little rabbit trail, but sure. atheists are really anti-theists. Because what do they uphold and not believe in most? God. God. Yeah. But if you bring Buddha into the mix, they'll go, oh, well, Buddha might be. You're not atheist then. Right, right. That would mean you don't believe in any deity. Right. right. You are an anti-theist. Yeah, you're, if you you're truly, God. you are against God. Yeah. And that's and that's what a lot of. And I, I believe Jesus says, if you're not with me, you're against me. Right. And, and, and so that's, that, you, you see know, that you, in the you don't believe, You know, if you don't love Jesus. Or if you don't believe in him, if you're not with him, you're then you against are him. against him, and that you will are. make you anti. Yes, yes. We're gonna take a, a, a obscene profit break right here, and we'll be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> All right, we are okay, back. Right. So let's see. So anyway, uh, Jonathan is basically telling David, hey, look, and if my dad is bad, uh, I'll let you know. I'll tell you to hang low. You go out and keep away from him. But your enemies don't seem to fell, uh, fare well. They fell very good. Yeah. <laughs> your enemies seem to fell well. 
uh, and don't farewell. <laughs> um, uh, mainly because uh, you're kind of God's man. And anyway, so I don't want to be your enemy. I don't want to be caught in the crosshairs. Yeah. Um, and so he says, uh, um, but you yes. shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. She's like, hey, I am not your enemy. And I don't love mistake you. me for that. And please don't ever cut off your kindness from me or my family, which he probably didn't even need to say, and my family, because that was kind of the custom back then, you know. When you love somebody, when you are with somebody, if you care for somebody, you also care for their family. Right. You know, at least as much as as much as you can. Um, and uh, and that goes back to the kinism belief. Kinism, yes, definitely. You know, the, the idea that I care about you, Stuart, but I also care about your family. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's it's a very... You know, in today's world, everyone easily goes, well, that's just a hillbilly tradition. Well, yeah. it's mm -hmm. actually a biblical thing. It is. It's, very biblical. it's very biblical to take care of. And this is this is why I always say you and yours. Yes, you and yours. Me and mine. I, I, I will take care of my. And, and, and one thing that speaks, you know, there's a. I have a plaque. I've never hung it here. It's somewhere. But it's it's about, you know, I don't know. 16 by 5 inches. It's a wonderful plaque, and I cannot for the life of me remember the verse right now, uh -huh. but it's the Joshua verse, you okay. know. You do as you will, but for me and my house, we will serve, we the, will Lord. serve the Lord. Yeah. And th But that's the way they thought about it. You know, you are yours, but I'm taking care of my people first. Yeah. Not to say I won't take care of you when I'm done, but I'm taking care of me first me and my first. family yeah, and because that's what's important. Yep. That is a very biblical tradition. That's very. why when somebody tells me they're going to take care of their family and this first before they handle something that maybe I brought to their attention, I'm fine with that because that's the way it should be. Yeah. You know, it's it's the umbrella status. Yeah. You know, these people fall under my umbrella. They're under my protection. I'm taking care of them before I worry about you. You're, you've got your own umbrella. And oftentimes, uh, modern Christians will be like, you know, God's family is my family, and so I take care of, you know, all of God's family uh, equally. But and that can be dangerous. It can be because that means that it gives them license to neglect, some neglect of their, their own. own personal family. And that, I do believe, is anti-biblical. And know? I see this a lot. And I, I'm not dissing missionaries. Oh, but yeah. you see this many... I, I've known personal missionary families that they've done so much good for wherever they were, whatever country they were in, mm -hmm. but their own family has been neglected the most. Yep. And and that is... It's sad because you know that is not their intention. Yeah. Yeah. They did not go into this field because they didn't love people. But they went into it not having structure and real, you know, kinist ideology. Right. That it doesn't matter if I'm helping thousands of people if my own family doesn't know I love them. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And I think the Bible is pretty clear about that. It's like, you know, hey, you should love the body of Christ. You right. should love other Christians. Yes, 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 yes. But... 
your own personal family is just a step more important than everybody else. Right. You know. But that also being said, Jesus does say, hey, I come with a sword and I come to divide, you know, um, uh, father from son, mother from daughter, you know, um, and stuff like that. <clears throat> Which is not to say don't look after them. It's just to say that's, you know, possibly what's going to happen in your family when you come to Christ. And, um, and and that's often different from people who were, you know, fall under that category of people that their their families are all Christian. Or, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, but that being said, in, you know, in a relationship when you've got your Christian family and other Christian families, you should be looking after you and yours first. Okay. Then you can go look after everybody else after your your, your folks are settled. Because, um, like, you know, a shepherd. A shepherd looks after his sheep. Yeah, not Does that mean else's. if he sees somebody else, he's not going to take care of him? Yeah. I guarantee if a wolf comes, he's worrying about his first. Right. And, you know, you can extend the same thing to a father and his kids, you know. Uh, is a, Would a good father um, feed somebody else's kids before feeding his own kids? No. No. And if a father did do that, would you call him a good father? No. 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 That does not say that he will not actually feed another's family. Right. That is just saying you should be looking after your family first. And then you can see well to look after others. Um, and so anyway, all that is slightly aside, slightly not completely. Uh, but anyway, here we come back uh, with Jonathan and David. Let's see. Uh, let the Lord... Let's see. Where did I leave them? Uh, but the Lord may not die, but you should not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off everyone from the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So... Possibly a little self-preservation going on here. Rightly so. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord acquire it at the hand of David's enemies. Now Jonathan, again, caused David to vow, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed. Because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed. And remain by the stone of Ezel. Uh, then I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot at a target. And there I will send a lad saying, go find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, look, the arrows are on this side of you. Get them and come. Then, as the Lord lives... There is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way, for the Lord has sent you away. Uh, uh, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way, for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between. Indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. 
So I really like the way they're doing this. You know, it's kind of a crafty little plan. They got it all figured out. And in the end, in the end, there's no bad blood. There's no ill will between both of them. They're all, they're, they're a like mind uh, in spirit. David is just sure that Saul is out to get him. And Jonathan's pretty sure that his dad is not out to get him. He's like, maybe he is, maybe he's not. I don't know. David's like, pretty sure he is. We've got this plan that we're going to figure out. And um, tell you what, David, you go out there and you hide by this tree. And um, when the time comes, when I figure out one way or the other, I'm going to shoot an arrow out. Uh, and I'll tell the, get the, the lad to go find the arrows. And if I tell him to look over here, then you're fine. Come on in. Fill the empty seat. Uh, uh, and, um, you know, eat with us. And come... Um, you know, uh, be with us in safety. But if I tell the lad, yo, they're really far out there. Go get them real far out there, you know, uh, then you better run because, you know, obviously bad things are coming. Um, and I think at this point it's it's easy to, to assume that Jonathan knows that God is on the side of David. Mm -hmm. Regardless. You know, and he does know that he's so sure of that. And and that's because and, and like that's said, what I he like you said to David. You know, your enemies don't seem to fare very well. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and it's you know you you can go back to, um, and, and that's why you know I, I kind of differ with what Dad was saying, where you don't like the way that it it says you know distressing spirit or whatever. Uh -huh. Came over Saul. For me, it's easy to believe that something like Job happened. Right. You know, God said, if you can take him away from me, do so. Right. Just try. Try. You Just know, try. And, and, and I think that easily played into God's plan of knowing that David is the next king. David is the rightful king. And this is a trial by fire for Saul saying, right. look, Satan. And I don't know that this is happening. I'm just going by what? The scripture says, and there's only a couple versions, because I did look through what I had. There's only a couple versions that say something other than an evil spirit or a distressing spirit. And my my question is, why would it say that in many of the versions if it wasn't something like this? Yeah. That, you know, God is saying, look, I'm going to step away for a moment, and you, Satan, <laughs> mm -hmm. see what you can do. Because we know that by Job, you know, Satan and God have this little way about them that God allows Satan to do things for the good of his people. Right. In Job, he knew exactly what Job was going to do. He knows exactly what Saul's going to do. But everything he's doing, he being God, is doing in this moment is to further the kingdom of God, which the next heir of the kingdom of God is who but David. And so in doing so, he is withdrawing from Saul and maybe teaching Saul a little lesson mm -hmm. that he's not all powerful because I think Saul has a big ego issue. Uh, just a little. And so, you know, God is pulling himself away and giving protection to David but at the same time, teaching Saul that he's not all-powerful. Yeah. He is not God and should not be treated like such. And you see that when he you know, has the, oh, David's killed his ten thousands? Well, that, that's a giant ego trip. 
And God's going, ah, you're not that great, Saul. Thank <laughs> you, but you're not that great. Um, and 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 you could go further to say, you know, when when you know God is teaching him this lesson, it's to better Saul just as much as it's to better David. It's not a, it's a humbling for Saul, as we see a general. You're gonna bow and prophesy before Samuel. No one can look at that and say that wasn't somewhat of a humbling experience. Right. You just stripped yourself naked in front of a prophet. Yeah. I mean, realistically. Yeah. So everything that's happening here, it's to further God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. And I, it's not directly to harm Saul. It's to teach Saul a lesson. Yeah. But at the same time, this is something that, you know, Jonathan is not fully comprehending. I don't think. I think he doesn't want to believe it. But he Probably knows. So. He know. It sounds like he doesn't want to believe it, but he knows in the end it's true. Otherwise, he wouldn't have established, this is what we're going to do, David, just in case you're right. But I hope you're not. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's going on here. Maybe. And, maybe. I kind of feel like he's, you know, you know, he thinks he's right. David thinks he's right. In order for them to come to a... In order for them to uh, both have a fair agreement, then there has to be license for either side. There has to you know? be. You're and right. So you know, yes or no, either way. Um, you know, either way, we need to have a, a a plan for that. But a parlay, a parlay. So yeah. So let us see do, 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 do. and I love the way that he ends here he says as for the matter which you and I have spoken of indeed the Lord be between you and me forever so regardless of everything that's going on here regardless of however good or bad my dad is regardless however safe or not you are may God be, be between us forever it's funny you know, it's it's don't almost let that stop. it's it's so funny that you so in saying that it's like the first thing that my mind came to is what what god brings together may no man separate which is what but a covenant a covenant but it is also something we hear at every marriage pretty much yeah on the planet yeah and right here you do see several is. times yeah yeah and, and it is a bonding of two souls, which is what you see exactly. twice they've now said yep. that that's exactly what Jonathan and David have, yep. is a bonding of two souls. Mm -hmm. So he's basically telling David, hey, what God has brought together, nothing's going to come between that. Yeah, It's you, me, and God, regardless of how this situation plays out. Yep. And let it be that way. Yeah, that's very true. It's exactly what it is. Um, because... A true covenant. Which is almost what I wonder how marriage vows have uh, somewhat come out of that. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I don't know, but yeah, I just thought of that. Honestly, a, a true covenant has to have a third party, and that third party can only be God. Right. He can only be God. Because who's going to hold you? People a, hold each other accountable to an extent yeah. as long as it benefits them. A covenant but, can only be between two entities on earth. And God. Right. God is the witness. God like, is the one that will, you know, 
He's he's the authority. He's the ultimate authority here. Right. Wayne Mack makes a wonderful um, uh, analogy for this, and he has a, he has a wonderful book on marriage. I have a couple copies of it roaming around because I love it. It, it. And and I tell people it's called Strengthening Your Marriage. Um, it's a great book, and I I tell people read it. I don't care if you're getting married. You can take that book and utilize it for friendships. Yeah. Like it really is that kind of book yeah. that you can utilize to strengthen relationships with your best friends. Sure. Because and but he makes an analogy, and I don't know that it's in that book because I have a couple Wayne Mac books, but he makes an analogy that a bar stool has how many legs? I'm gonna say four. Three. A, a, an original bar stool. Okay. Three. A traditional bar stool has three legs. If you take one of those legs and cut it in half, what happens to the bar stool? <laughs> <laughs> Falls over. Okay, so that is exactly the co- that is what a covenant is. It can only you do not have a chair that sits on two legs. Right. It doesn't exist. Yeah. But a chair on three legs is fine. But if you cut one of those legs in half, you're falling on the floor. Yeah. And that is what a covenant is. Is and he he all he makes another reference a cord of three strands. Uh-huh. You know, not easily, not broken. easily broken. Exactly. He says the same thing with that bar stool. You're going to cut it in half. It's going to all collapse. And that's what people, at least in marriages, and it's same thing with friendships. If you end up cutting God out of the mix, mm-hmm. nothing is going to stand. It's, it's just going to crumble, and nothing you do short of putting a leg on, yeah. <laughs> you know, bringing God back into the mix is going to help it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and read a little further All here. All right. Let's see. Uh, indeed, the Lord be between you and me forever. Then David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now the king sat on his seat, as at other times, on a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, something has happened to him. He is unclean. Surely he is unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, Please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore he has not come to see the king's table. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman! Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse as your own, uh, uh, the son of Jesse, uh, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's kindness, uh, your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established nor your kingdom. Now, therefore, send me and bring, uh, uh, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Hmm. Jonathan's sitting here like, oh dang son, David was right. <laughs> 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 uh that's a that's a really nasty little vow there um yeah he's uh and jonathan said it in a you know very kind way you know 
Uh, he's like, David said, let me go to my family. Uh, you know, my brothers commanded me to be there, and now I have to get away to please them, so I just got to go be with my brothers. Saul's anger was aroused and said, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. I'm going to have to remember that one. Blaming that, that on uh, the, know, the that, woman. That's a good one, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is which is literally where we get another perverse phrase from. <laughs> right. It right. is it is the elongated and much more interesting version of that. I think you're right. Yes. That is where we get it from. <laughs> you know, I just yeah. thought of that. I was like, that's the greatest oh wait oh wait darn we have a word for that we've already it means exactly the this. same thing it's just not very nice <laughs> we've established this uh, never mind uh he's bla basically blaming the woman for uh uh for jonathan not you know doing what he wants do i not know that you have chosen the son of jesse is your to your shame and the shame of your mother's nakedness yeah ouch that's that's not nice um and basically what he's saying here is look dude you know that uh if david lives he's eventually going to be king now if he's eventually king that means that you ain't ever going to be king because in order to be for you to be king <laughs> i have to stay king as soon as I'm not king, Which is interesting. then you it's, can't be king. It's something that Jonathan is not exactly immersed with. Yeah. Like, no. it's not the top of his priorities right. in life. It's like, you know. So, anyway. So, yeah. Go bring me David so I can kill him. And this time you're going to hold him because he runs away too fast. Yeah. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill... Whoa! Oh, dang. Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which David, Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month. For he was grieved for David because his father. So had he was him fasting. Shamefully. He was fasting, yes. In and so it fasting was fasting in biblical proportions. Yes, yes. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field, at the time appointed with David, and a little lad was with him. And he said to his lad, "Now run, find the arrows which I shoot." And the lad ran. He shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad had come to the place where the arrow was that Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan cried out after the lad, Make haste, hurry, do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the lad and said to him, Go, carry them to the city. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place towards the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David, uh, but David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and be your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, 
and Jonathan went into the city. Now that's that's really interesting. Uh, let me read that one more time. He says, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. One reason I believe that he said that is because one thing that you see, um, one thing that both David and Jonathan are both fully aware of, is when you pick on one man or one person in somebody's family, you're picking on the whole family. You know, it's kind of the same deal when you marry, you know, it's like we, you know, my dad has always told me, you know, when you marry the woman, you're not just marrying the woman, you're also marrying the family. Right. So pick wisely. You know, and that goes the other way around, you know. When you, girl, when you marry that guy, you're not just marrying that guy, you're marrying his family. So if you don't like his family, then you should think real hard about your decisions. Um, and that harkens back to, uh, you know, um, definitely biblical times at least, but when you mess with somebody, you mess with their family. And when, you know, somebody messes with you, they're messing with your family. Uh, just because... You know, oftentimes, um, more often than not, um, the family will fight for you even if they know you're in the wrong. Right. You know, it's part of that kinism stuff that it we're is, talking it about. It is. You know? It's it's exactly the same. Um, you know, and and you see it played out. Um, you know, many different ways, but um, in certain quarrels uh-huh. of the famous variety uh one that i i actually have studied quite a bit on and I'm not gonna say i'm kind of a nerd but i like it hatfield and mccoy's yeah it's called a feud the the, the <laughs> there were several of the hatfield clan that did wrong things mm-hmm. and the uh the the leader um was Devil Ants, and uh-huh. he was fully aware they had done wrong things, and he basically took the shame of the family and was like, "This is on me." At the same time that they did wrong things, you're messing with my family, yeah. so you mess with me, right? And that's a biblical view. That really is, and a lot of people hate on you know the Hatfields and the McCoys for the way they handled things. And they did. They drug it out so far. But at the same time, both families were kinists. Mm-hmm. I don't care if my family did something. You're picking with them. You're picking on me. Right. You know, right. and and you can respect that to a degree. To a, de- to a degree. To a degree. And I, yeah. I give it. And like I say, whenever I tell, you know, I start talking about they all did things wrong. There's no way you can point fingers at anyone saying they, they were in the right. Right, right. They weren't. But they held that Kenneth belief that you mess with my family, you mess with me. And I, you know, we've lost that in yeah, society yeah. because families are not patriarchal anymore. They really aren't. You know, families, after you have kids, you move a thousand miles away. Right, and yeah. You're they're not, not. They're not my problem anymore. That's the way people look at it. Yeah, and so yeah. because you look at it that way, the whole be kind to my my heirs yeah is lost yeah and so jonathan knows full well that if there's you know if his dad saul is trying to kill david you know then jonathan's job from here on out is going to be to kill david you know 
because it's basically, you know, the Saul family versus the David family. I'm going to constantly be having to cover for you. Yeah. And so, so Jonathan's go. like, you know, um, me and me, quote unquote, and my dad are going to be trying to kill you. Um, and, you know, and he says, go in peace since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord saying. So Jonathan's saying, even though, here's what Jonathan is saying, you know, they could have been friends. They could have been bosom buddies. But if Saul is trying to kill David, if that's Saul's, the patriarch of the family, if that's his goal, then Jonathan is going to be constantly enlisted. No, he would be, he would have to follow family honor and exactly. try to kill That's David. That's what I'm saying. He's going to be know. constantly enlisted to do the this. The only reason that Jonathan is not going to do that is, uh, let's see. Since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your sins and my descendants. And so because they made that covenant, Jonathan's going to hold him to that, knowing full well that if they hadn't made the covenant, then they would have to fight. You know? It's a, it's a big bird to swallow right yeah. there. Well, right there, we're going to have to take a break, and we'll be right back. Right. Here to finish up. So this will hopefully bring some good conversation. Texas is home to the honky tonks. Honky tonks <laughs> ever. Also called honkatonk and honky tonk is basically a special type of bar where they play country music for entertainment. They are common in the south of the United States. Dance halls. Yeah. Many famous country music artists have begun their careers in one of the many honky-tonks. If you're, if, uh, if you're traveling here, you should make sure that you visit one of the famous honky-tonks. Oh, please say it's the same one. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, say it. It doesn't actually say one. Oh, it doesn't one. say one? Oh, well, this one here says honky-tonk central. I think that's just a picture, though. Um... Anyhow, the honky tonk. The that, biggest honky tonk in Texas is Billy Bob's. Billy Bob's, where is that? Billy, it's in Billy Bob's, Texas. Oh, <laughs> city's named after him, huh? Or after his honky tonk? I'll tell you exactly. Well, maybe that. the city is his honky tonk. Many have started out there. That is yeah. Billy Bob's. My my parents have actually been to Billy Bob's. Uh huh. I don't think it's in Billy Bob. I think they're like, yeah, it's Billy Bob's, Texas, but. I'm trying to find out exactly where it is because it's not in Billy Bob's, but yeah, no, I never even heard of Billy Bob's Texas. Well, that that's that's the dance hall. Uh huh. But yeah, the uh, while you're looking that up, the the honky tonk that I usually go to or have frequented on several occasions. It's in Fort Worth. No, it's in Fort Worth. Okay, it's right outside of Fort Worth. Okay. It's on the 121 exchange. Okay. It is huge, though. It yeah. is so big. <laughs> it's got, like, four dance floors. Ooh. I mean, it's it's a place. Man, that is big. But many, many famous people have started out there. Many Texas musicians have started out there. Skinner has played there. Merle has played there. Willie has played there. Everybody's played you there. You know, this is, well, this is one of those Texas jewels. Right, yeah. You know, there's uh, one of my 
used to be favorite. And I guess if you catch me on the right day, I can sing a lot of their songs, kind of. But Cross Canadian Ragweed, they uh -huh. they started there, which is so weird. But you know, there's many bands, groups. Uh, Pat Green, and Pat Green. Most of y'all probably not heard of Pat Green. He is strictly a Texas musician, very low key, great music. Um, you know, and. I want to go to a dance hall, man. Now you're getting me, you're getting me in the dance hall mood, man. I'm always in a dance hall mood. I See, I get to, mood. I get the special honor of a teaching Alyssa how to dance. She doesn't know how to dance. See, that is an honor. That really is. See, I've got this thing. I'm kind of like, you know, you, you found your woman. I'm, I'm still looking for mine. <laughs> you know, and there's two things, and I like both of them. You know, one thing that definitely will be in the equation is dancing. If there's not dancing and with my future wife, then honestly, she probably won't be my future wife. <laughs> Either that or maybe she's crippled. Well, it's really funny. Um, but uh, where I was going with that is, you know, I can dance decently. I like Texas two-step. I can swing a little. I know how to waltz pretty well. And uh, I like to do line dancing and such. And I just really enjoy dancing. I just love it. It's one of the things that keeps me going. Um, and I got to do a lot of that when I was in Texas, and that's one of the things that made school in Texas so much fun. Mm -hmm. Was that you know there's dance halls all, all over the over place, Austin. especially in Austin. Yeah, uh, and that's something that North Carolina just don't have. They don't, and um, and a lot of other states don't have that either. It's it's very Texas. It's it really very is. Texan. I was. I'm about not to saying say that other states don't have them, but I'm just saying that you know Texas is a special place for them. Um. But anyway, so I, I know how to dance decently well, um, and I really, if I can find a woman who doesn't know how to dance, that's okay, because that means that I get to teach her how to dance, and that is always fun, you know, uh, that's really cool. Yeah, I would. But if there's a woman who does know how to dance really well... That helps things along too. Yeah, it does. It you know, because that that you know, uh, there was a girl that um, I tried to date a little while back, and you know, she's lovely as the day is long. And um, one thing that really attracted me to her was she was a very strong dancer. She was the absolutely most perfect dance partner that a man could possibly ask for and her sisters were the same way mm. um they knew how to dance and they knew how to dance well and even if you were a bad dancer they would make you the best dancer that you could possibly be in the moment right um and they gave you something to aspire to and i tell you uh one of the most precious moments in my life was a dance with this girl and you know it it just you know i was on wings i tell you it was just absolutely wonderful and granted i knew how to dance a little bit right and she could no she's a great well. dancer i'll give you and, that and uh you know she uh just an absolute wonderful dancer so all that to say 
Um, you know, if she doesn't know how to dance, that's fine. I get to teach her. So much fun. If she does know how to dance, you know, then that that's good also because that means that we'll already be, you know, yeah, on hopefully off page. on the same foot and on the same page. And uh, I tell you, a girl that knows how to dance really well, you know, you can usually feel it with them in a couple of different areas. In the energy, you can feel it in the look, and you can feel it in um, uh, pressure. Mm -hmm. And one thing that a, you know, because uh, in any country Western dancing, and most dancing in general, the man leads. Mm -hmm. That's just the way that it is. The man leads. And any woman who knows how to dance knows that. And uh, because if you have, you know, if, if there's some woman that, you know, if there's some guy that just does not know how to dance, then the woman will lead, you know, just because somebody has to, you know, and you don't want it to be a train wreck. But once a guy learns how to dance, you know, or at least has his dancing feet under him, uh, a good partner will help him lead. And, oh, my goodness, I tell you. And it was perfectly applied pressure. She was, like, focused on me, but at the same time, she was also giving attention to the rest of the room. The whole time she was surveying the room, but giving me her attention uh, and giving justice to the dance. And so, you know, if she noticed that we were getting too close to another couple she would apply the perfect amount of pressure to, you know, you know, subconsciously to me, whether it be by the hand or on the shoulder or whatever. And I didn't even know that this existed, but immediately I knew, oh, she's telling me that there's something that we're going to run into and I should probably be aware of that. Right. You know? And so that's what I mean by she made me the best dancer that I could possibly be. Having a, and and that's something we were at the what was a World War II ball. Uh huh. And my uh, my former sister in law was there, and uh, we have a very unique relationship, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, to, to, say least. to say the least. But anyway, there was this uh, this shy little kid. I, I say little kid because he's probably several years younger than me, and I could tell that and. And she needed a dance partner, and he's standing next to me, and she's kind of like nudging him along, like, hey, uh, I don't have a dance partner. And he's, no, I don't have a dance. I mean, he's shaking. Yeah. I mean, the poor kid, he was he was legitimately like, no, I'm, I'm here against my will and choose not to do this. And I just stepped in. I was like, dude, if there's a, there is not a more forgiving dance partner on this floor, if there's someone who can teach you how to dance – this is her, and she. At this moment, we are, we weren't on the best relationship <laughs> yeah, yeah. at all. Things that happened that that's neither here nor there. But she just kind of looked at me like, "Thank you." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you're not wrong. like I'm she's, not wrong. She's, I she's, gave it to her. This yeah. is this is her. If you want to learn, this is now. This is your chance, and this is who you need to learn from. Get out there and do it. Yeah, because. You're not going to find that. You know, I I know I can dance pretty well. If you put me in a dance format that I don't know, it's going to take me a minute. But I can I can I can catch you can it. Make your way through. I can yeah. catch it. You know, and that's I, I tried to teach uh, one of my ex-girlfriends how to dance and and she was not into it. 
But I remember we were out at my parents' place, and my parents had this ginormous slab. You've seen it. Uh-huh, you know, yeah. And we were out there late at night, had lights going, everything. And my sister can dance. Yes, she can. And it's one of those oh, things oh, that if oh, I get a chance to, to show off with my sister, uh, you can bet your boots I'm going to do it. Because yeah. both of us know how to dance equally. Mm. And I'm not going to lie, I like to show off. Like anytime we're at a uh, wedding and yeah. it's like, yeah. come on. Let's do it. Bride and groom, <laughs> y'all sit down and watch. Yeah. So, and we get into it. Like, I I was doing, like, I was taking her through full swirls oh, and just yeah. bringing her back across the other side. And my, you know, now ex-girlfriend, she was just like, what is this? How do y'all dance that well? I'm like, we've literally been doing it yeah. together forever. Which is so funny because I have the exact <laughs> same relationship as far as dancing with my sister. She dances very well. She doesn't know quite as much as I do about dancing, or at least the style, you know, touches two-step and stuff. But she's a good enough dancer to where, you know, she can... Blend it. She can blend it. She learns very quickly. And, you know, since I'm a decent dancer, I'm the one leading anyway. And so she follows, and she takes all the cues. And so... um, it was a little over a year ago. Um, we, uh, my, my friends in Texas were getting married and they invited me to the wedding and, uh, they said, you know, bring a plus one if you want. And so I went with Catherine, my sister and, uh, absolutely wonderful wedding. Definitely on my, you know, list of best weddings that I've been to. Um, at least as far as, you know, um, uh there was food and drink provided there was dancing which was amazing and it wasn't like i've been to some weddings where there was there was dancing but it was you know rave dancing which i'm i'm not into that you know i'll I'll do it a little bit to have fun and i will have fun in it but it's just not my thing but anyway so we were dancing there and mind you um most a lot of the people at this wedding uh taught me how to dance <laughs> Texas two-step and I've been, I, I learned how to dance uh, Texas two-step from watching them. Um, and they're excellent dancers. And a lot of them came up to me, you know, and they're like, dude, you're, you're just tearing it up out there. You are amazing. You guys look great. Um, and so I was like, Oh, well, thank you very much. You know? And I was just like, I'm just here to have a good time, you know? Uh, so anyway, that was really cool. But the, uh, anyway, uh, the honky tonk that I, I spent the most time in, in Austin was the, the broken spoke. I believe it was founded in 1964, uh, by James White. And he actually died here, I think just this year. Really? Yep. And he was a old cowboy. There's not a single day that I went to the, the broken spoke that, James wasn't there. He he started the place. He ran the place. Uh, <laughs> funny enough, uh, I don't know about the state of Texas, but uh, uh, at least as far as the city of Austin, uh, at the Broken Spoke, there's the uh, – uh, any, any of the men have uh, opportunity to use the oldest urinal in the city of Austin. <laughs> Possibly the it. state of Texas, yes. Uh, and that was in the Broken Spoke. Uh, anyway, uh, but, um, uh, 
That was a honky tonk. Listen to many good country, uh, country western singers there. Um, and uh, had some really good times there. We actually, um, my friend, uh, I had a friend who had a birthday and she had turned 21. And we were like, girl, you don't just turn 21 and not have a good time. And so we showed her a good time. Mind you, she does not drink. She's not against it. She's not going to have you, you know, she's not going to tell you not to drink it. But you could tell this girl will not touch alcohol at all, <laughs> you know. Uh, but she loves to dance and she likes to have a good time. And so we took her to the Broken Spoke. Um, and they had uh, an excellent band there playing. And we we danced and... Uh, um, I got a cider and then sat by the birthday girl, uh, and I pour a little bit into a little glass, just set it beside her and just like, Hey, if you're interested, this is called cider. It's sweet. Uh, it's bubbly and it is alcoholic, but not much. And there's not much in here. So you won't feel anything from this, but if you're interested, she did turn 21 and she was kind of like, uh, no. And I was like, you know, here it is. I'm not going to drink it. you want it. And so anyway, <laughs> she was like, oh, okay. So she tried it. She was like, huh. That was actually pretty good. <laughs> you know, I was like, would you like more? And she was like, no. I was like, okay, fair enough. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, she really liked to dance the polka. Okay. And. I dance a very good polka, if I may be so bold as to pat myself on the shoulder. I, I will pat you. You do uh, a good job. I have never picked anyway, that one up well. Uh, so the whole night, she was just like, oh, I want a polka. I want a polka. You know, I've, you know, um, uh, I've been wanting to dance a polka, and nobody knows how to dance it. And I was like, um, I know how to dance the polka. And she was like, Obviously, you know how to dance the polka. You know how to dance everything, which I don't. But some people get that impression. Um, but anyway, uh, a polka came up. And I was like, would you like to dance the polka? And she's like, yes, please. And so we go out there and dance. And it was truly amazing. And my personal belief about dancing is regardless, this is for the men out there. This is not for the women. This is for the men out there who will be leading dances, by the way, if you're dancing the way you should be dancing, uh, at least in country western and, uh, um, you know, um, 18th century dancing or, you know, country, anything that related. Um, the men lead the dancing. And that has implications, very big implications. My personal belief, this is my personal belief, in my humble opinion, but I think other men out there will agree with this. Uh, the point of the dance is obviously to have a good time. But in order to do so, your job, men, as good dancers, is to make absolutely sure that your one single most important goal in dancing with that beautiful woman is to make sure that she is having the absolute 
best time. Yeah, of her she life. has to be on the clouds. Anything that you do, like you, there's some really good dancers out there, and I've done it before, you know. Uh, but it doesn't matter how good of a dancer you are, gentlemen. If she is not having a good time, then uh, you have failed. And if you're making her look stupid or making her look like she doesn't know what her what she's doing because you're so good, then you are misplaced. That is not the way it should be, okay? If you're a good dancer, then your job is to make sure that you dance at a level that she can handle. And if you can't do that, then you're not a good dancer, you know? You certainly don't know how to lead, you know? You've got to be aware of the capability of the woman, you know? And if you get the feeling that she knows what she's doing, pull out all the stops, you know? and show your stuff and make sure that she looks as amazing as she possibly can. Um, but if she doesn't, if she looks like she's tripping over her own feet and, you know, steps on your toe a time or two and it's just like, you know, ah, I'm so terrible. I'm a bad dancer. You know, your goal as a good dancer is to say, uh, you might be a bad dancer. I am a good dancer and I will make you a good dancer. Right. And it does work because every single time I have danced with a girl who said beforehand, I don't know how to dance and I'm a terrible dancer. <laughs> After that dance, she would say, and this has happened every time, mind you, that was amazing. Uh, I had such a good time. I didn't know I could do that. And that, that is a good thing because you're putting confidence in her and you're uh, making sure that she has a good time. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, that's really cool. Um, and for those ladies out there, many of you know how to dance far better than that guy and possibly far better than that, than that guy will ever be able to dance, you know. Um, his job should still be to make sure that you uh, are having, a good, are having a good time. But if you're a better dancer and you know it, you know. Um, and it does then, happen. You will run oh, into it women that oftentimes. are That's, far better I am a good dancer now, partly because a lot of the women that I have danced with who are far better dancers than me. And know? what's funny, that, that, that thing that me and my sister have, it's really, it's, it's, it's fun and we both kind of, Learned it at the same time because someone at the cowboy church that we had gone to at that time, her dad and her, like, you would have not thought he was a good dancer. Mm -hmm. He was, you know, six foot, 350, <laughs> not your dancing type. Yeah. Did I not look seen, like it. I have but seen that some. guy could take a dance, twirl people around, and it's just like, what is going This is This is magical. I have seen some guys, big hoss fat guys you look at them and you're like you know if i kicked you in the shins and ran i know that you would never be able to catch me but son they would dominate the dance floor and, that, and by the time they're done dancing you're sitting here like i wish i would pay money to be able to dance like which that. is funny because he was athletic he would there was like a section of him that was athletic but he was very he was a bigger guy yeah. 
But that's what really inspired my sister yeah. and I to be able to dance yeah. like that. And it's like, I want to do, I want to I, be I want, able to. I want to do that. Exactly. And that's like, whenever me and my sister are, are at a dance, it's like, eh, want to show off a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, here's a little tip. Because we can do it. <laughs> yeah. Here's a little tip uh, uh, for you guys out there. Um, when you're dancing, wow. If you dance well and... There's just this little thing that gives me so much joy, so much joy. And it's the look from a woman after a well-performed twirl or a spin oh, yeah. or whatever. That is priceless. It is priceless. And when you do it just perfectly and she gets to the end and her hand goes out and she looks at you with those eyes just oh that is so amazing and uh it's mm, it's just so worth it anyway you can find that in any good texas honky tonk and uh check out billy bobs if you're in fort worth at any yeah, point and i check think out it was off the, uh, the eggs the 121 exchange which you can look it up just go to billybobstexas.com and uh broken spokes in austin i should know what road it's on i think it's on Oh, it's on South Lamar. Yeah, it's, on South, it's Lamar, on South Lamar, and they are apparently now open. So uh, now that the, the alcoholic beverage of Texas has now <laughs> allowed them to be open. Yeah. But if you get to either of those spots, check, check them, them out. out. And adios. adios. Hey, guys. Brug Lance with the Texans Take Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us. Listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. 